Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest running hiking podcast downloaded over three quarters of a million times in over 145 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 226 of the Australian Hiker Podcast. And in this week's episode, we talk about when times get tough, maintaining motivation on the trail. We hope you enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. If it's not obvious by now, I'm a big fan of hiking. I like hikes of all lengths and duration and really don't care too much about what the weather is like. Typically our walks are done with me as a solo hiker or with Jill and I as a couple. And of the more than 200 individual hikes that we have reviewed over the past six years, we can easily count on one hand the number of hikes we've done with friends or relatives. Hiking as a solo hiker has lots of pros and cons, as does hiking as a couple or a group. And if I'm doing hikes longer than around three weeks in length, I'm pretty much on my own. While hikers worry about the physical aspects of longer, multi-day, multi-week hikes, perhaps the biggest issue for many is the mental aspect. Humans are essentially social creatures, and it takes a lot of time to spend extended periods of time on your own or with just one other person. Time alone as a solo hiker can be challenging for many hikers, and sometimes it's a struggle to maintain a degree of motivation that allows you to keep on hiking on those days when you just don't feel like things are going that well. So in this podcast episode, we're going to talk specifically about maintaining motivation on trail, particularly for the longer hikes. Now, the first thing we're going to look at is being prepared. Preparation and planning is the key to a successful hike, regardless of the length or the duration. And if you think about shorter hikes, they, you know, if you lose motivation, it's usually not an issue because in all honesty, the hike's probably almost over or you know, it will be soon and maintaining motivation really isn't a major issue. Logistical considerations are one key aspect of this planning process and common considerations include what gear do you need, what are your food requirements and how many kilometres are you planning on travelling each day and often much more. So having consciously thought through these logistical considerations as best as possible means that should something crop up on a hike, you are going to be ready for it as much as it is possible. Physical fitness is another big consideration, and I think for many hikers, that's probably the thing that people most worry about, that am I fit enough to do a hike that I've gone through and planned? I think that is um, partly true, but uh, I guess... You know, I think the other extreme is that sometimes people don't even think about their fitness in that way. So considering whether you're fit versus um, not even giving it a thought, I think is uh, sometimes what we experience um, when we're talking to people along the way as well. 
So again, logistical considerations and physical considerations, what it comes down to is planning and preparation. And if you've got enough time and you're thinking far enough ahead, both of these things are readily resolvable sort of issues. And I think being able to manage these in such a way uh, that there's one less worry to think about on the trail. If you're starting a hike and think, oh, look, I haven't got enough food or where am I staying or how much time am I actually traveling or spending traveling or distances, these are things that are going to feed into a worry process. And if you, you're so focused on the logistics that you're not really thinking about the hike, you can lose motivation. Yeah, and I think the motivation often you get from being in the environment, being in the moment. And, you know, when when you haven't thought through some of those logistical things sufficiently enough, it, it can cloud how you're thinking. So prior to doing any longer multi-day hikes, you should increase your physical training, improve your flexibility and balance, uh, increase muscle strength, which is something that people often tend not to think about. You don't need to go and lift heavy weights, but certainly you should be lifting some weights to keep the strength uh, in both your upper body and your lower body at a, at a level that will allow you to cope with the hike. The other thing is also to incorporate pack training into your preparation as well. And, and for me, this is something that I'm currently doing at the moment, leading into a hike that we've got planned in just a little over three weeks. Yeah, three weeks isn't a long time and um, I had a moment where I realised that um, I hadn't uh, worn a weighted pack for many months. So, you know, for us that certainly started to ramp up. And from my perspective, what I tend to do is I'll carry a pack that's one or two kilos heavier than what I'm planning on doing. Uh, so when it comes time to actually be on trail and I put my pack on for the first day, which is when it's going to be at its heaviest, it's actually lighter than what I'm used to training with. Now, from a hiking perspective um, or a pack training perspective, I'm not launching into the full weight straight up. Uh, I've been building up uh, over a period of weeks and months. And in fact, pretty much I walk to work every day and my pack is around about seven or eight kilos uh, almost on a daily basis. Uh, but certainly I start increasing the weight of the pack uh, to build up leading into this hike. The other thing that if you need to look at doing is if you haven't been hiking for a while overnight or you've got a lot of brand new gear that you haven't used before, is doing a shakedown hike. And this is something we regularly talk about and regularly promote. Uh, and this is an opportunity to go on a, a two-day hike where you overnight you try all your gear out. It doesn't have to be a long hike. It might only be one or two kilometres into the campsite. Do your, do your overnight camping, testing out all your gear, finding out if there's any issues with the gear that needs to be resolved before you start your hike. Now, again, this helps to create a sense of surety with your equipment that, you know, the last thing you want to do is start your hike end up on a trail and find out you get to the campsite and there's a hole in your tent or you've left all your tent pegs at home. So planning this out beforehand will, again, ease any considerations and ease any issues that you may have uh, and allow you to focus on the hike itself. Yeah, and I think the other thing is um, it's about re-familiarising yourself with your gear as well. And, um, you know, I've, I think we've had a 
um, an experience where we hadn't pitched our tent for a little while and um, we we had this quite entertaining moment where, you know, it was starting to get a bit windy and we're trying to put the tent up and I think it was the longest tent pitch that we ever did. (laughs) We got there, but, gee, it wasn't pretty. Mind you, when Jill says it was getting a bit windy, we had about 30-kilometre-hour winds. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a challenge at the best of time, but well, particularly, you know. particularly when you haven't done it for a while. <laughs> Next step in helping to maintain motivation on a trail is working out what's your why. Uh, and, and essentially this is a, a, a nice way of saying what is the other reason that you're going through and doing your planned hike? Is it fitness? Is it photography? Is it spending time in nature? Uh, It doesn't really matter to a great extent, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, But again, I think having that why there is your goal, is your reward for why you're doing this. So if you're walking into an area or you're doing a coastal walk, having that there as, as, as your bonus, if you like, uh, so on those days where you're not feeling so good, you just have to have something to remind you that you're doing this for a reason, uh, and the reason is X, whatever X happens to be. Yeah, I think this is really important, and and um, y- you know, I think in everything that we do in life, having your why and your reason, and it it is a motivator, and I think we understate how important it is to think that through. And for me, I have moments where I actually ask myself the question, what am I doing here? And that prompts me to then think about my why and remember my why. And your why becomes an anchor for your trip or your mantra while you're doing it. So if you're having a bad day, if you're feeling like you really don't want to be here anymore, think back to why you actually planned this hike and the reason why you're doing it. And that becomes a a support or a building block to keep you on trail. In addition to having your why, there's probably reasons that you don't want to use. uh, And these are things that are probably hard to justify when you're going through and hiking. So things not to use as a why is you're there because uh, you're tagging along with a friend. And that's just not going to help anyone. Uh, you know, if you don't want to be there, doing it because your partner or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or husband or wife's doing it isn't a good enough sort of reason. Now, from Jill's perspective, Jill tends to work in a two-week block as being her ideal as a maximum. And you know, anything that I do over two weeks in length, I'm typically doing by myself. Yeah, I just don't understand the why of that one. <laughs> I I start to think about all the other things I could be doing. (laughs) So in that sort of instance there, you know, if if you're doing a a four or a five or a six-week-long hike and Jill doesn't want to be there longer than two weeks, it starts to become a bit more difficult to justify, if the motivation is lacking, why you are doing it. A couple of other reasons you don't want to be doing a hike for is you're running away from something in your life um, <laughs> or you want to find yourself. And now both these two, these two reasons that we just mentioned there probably describe the movie and the book Wild. It um, also uh, relates to the fact that there was little preparation. Um, there was no physical training. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to keep going on that one. But uh, it's all the reasons why you wouldn't um, in the one place. 
But in the case of Cheryl Strayed, I mean, she didn't do the entire Pacific Crest Trail, but she did a good-sized chunk of it, which is more than most people yeah, are going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, yeah, and for her, that was a good enough sort of reason. But for most people, it's probably not. And you know, while we're on the topic of talking about United States long trails, only because there are really no statistics in Australia, one of the biggest causes of people getting off the long trails is, apart from physical fitness, which tend to be what happens in the first week, uh, it then tends to be mental uh, resilience, if you like. Uh, people just find that they just don't want to be there, they're there for the wrong reasons, uh, and it just makes it really hard to stay on trail. And that leads us into the topic of mental resilience. Now, this is starting to get a bit airy-fairy here, but what we mean is the way you feel mentally as opposed to how you feel physically. You know, if you've got an injury and it's not getting better and hiking is making it worse, that's a pretty good reason for getting off trail. But if you're just having a bad day, you really don't feel like being there, uh, I think this is one of these sort of things that, you know, it's hard to justify and, you know, it's just having the ability to keep going when you really don't feel like it. For a lot of people, uh, mental resilience is something that's a bit of a struggle as a solo hiker. Humans are really designed to, to be in groups uh, and being together or being by yourself for long periods uh, can be a bit of a struggle. Yeah, when we're hiking together, I mean, uh, I guess we know each other pretty well now and um, each of us will have a moment where we're, you know, perhaps not not into it. And the fortunate thing for us is that that usually happens at different times. So Tim's able to spur me on when I've forgotten my why and likewise I'm able to spur him on when uh, he might have forgotten his why. So in the case of uh, 2018 when I walked the Bibbulmun track by myself, I worked it out over a five-week period. I only talked to another human being, including Jill, for a total of eight hours. Now, for most people, that's a struggle. Uh, many people just won't cope or don't cope with uh, being uh, having that much solitude. We won't talk about how weird you were when you finished. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and apparently the average person has anywhere between about twelve to sixty thousand thoughts per day. And, and for me, this is why I do like solo hiking because it does allow me to really think. Whereas in normal day-to-day life, you're thinking about what's for dinner, what's going on at work, all these other things, you're not really focusing on the hike. But 12,000 thoughts in a day, and when I ask you what you're thinking and you say nothing, (laughs) I don't think that adds up for me. So again, in regard to the mental challenge of doing a long-distance hike, having a strategy is something that you really need to think about that's probably not really necessary on shorter hikes. So in my case, I don't think, in the case of the Bibbulmun track, about I've, got, I've started my 1,000-kilometre walk and I've got 998 <laughs> or 996 kilometres left to go. What, what my strategy was in that case was I thought about it on a weekly basis. So I broke the weeks down to, into roughly 200-kilometre segments, um, and even that's a lot. So what I ended up doing was thinking, okay, my average – planned walking was approximately 31, 32 kilometres per day. And for me, that's that's something that is able to be coped with a bit better. Yeah, it's funny because you do that and I either use uh, fractions around days or percentages around days. 
So um, I'm I'm a real um, hump day person, so I'll get to midpoint and I'll suddenly find a boost of energy that uh, means I can keep going. But that day before the midpoint, I'm dragging my heels. And I think the thing with that is, you know, as I said, I, I talk about how many kilometres I'm doing in a day, but I then break that down even further and I break my day into the morning and afternoon. Um, now, it's not necessarily an even point here, but typically I'll say, okay, I'm doing 32 kilometres in a, a day. That's 16 in the morning, 16 in the afternoon. And for me, it's pretty typical, depending on the conditions I'm hiking in, that I'll do 20 before lunch and 16 after lunch. And what that means for me is that, oh, I've got a short afternoon. It's going to be an easy sort of time because I've done the bulk of the walking it's already. All, it's all relative, isn't it? <laughs> it is all relative. But the strange thing is I don't tend to break it down further than that. I don't say, look, I've got to do X number of kilometres per hour. I tend to cater for that when I go through and do the planning process. And in my case, I work on an average of 3.75 kilometres per hour. Usually I'm walking faster than that. But what that means, if I'm planning a day and I know that I'm doing 32 kilometres per day, that's roughly about a seven and a half to eight and a half hour day. Uh, and you know, it, providing it's not in the middle of winter and it's really cold and dark uh, because it's such a short day, uh, that's a fairly manageable day for me. It's an interesting one because if I'm focusing on a day, um, I think about it in terms of uh, what time in the day um, I want to be for certain things, how, how, how much into the day in terms of hiking do I want to be at a particular time. So I think you know the important thing with this is, and again, this is something that takes you're not going to develop overnight. It's something you need to work on. Is work out what your average hiking day looks like. And as I said, from my perspective, I know if I comfortably plan on three point seven five kilometers per hour, I know I can do that, and I know I can do that comfortably, uh, which means that I don't have to stress about oh look, I'm running behind time. I'm not going to be able to get where I need to be, and Again, when you start focusing on the logistics of the hike, you stop thinking about why you're there. Uh, you stop thinking about your why. And in that instance, uh, you you start losing a bit of motivation. So having all these things sorted out beforehand. And in my case, I spent probably 18 months working out those, those distances and times to know what I can comfortably go through and do. I'm also a bit of a goal-orientated person. Uh, so when I reach the halfway point of a day, as I mentioned, it becomes like, oh, I've got a fairly short afternoon. Uh, and you know, I, I like to finish my hike somewhere between about 3.30 and 4.30 uh, because that allows me time to set up my tent in the light, get my meal, uh, evening meal out of the way. And for me, my evening meal is often 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, but it's not unusual for me to be in bed uh, in my tent, uh, trying to go to sleep at six thirty in the evening. But you know, if I, after a big day's worth hiking, what I know is that you know, I'll I'll eventually get to sleep because I am so tired. The next thing that that helps with maintaining most motivation on the trail is support, and this is can be dealt with in two separate ways. As Jill mentioned, if we're hiking as a couple or hiking as a group, it's not unusual for us when we're together just to have an off day or a bad day. And we typically don't have that at the same time. Uh, it's one of us will have a, a bad day, the other one's fine and vice versa. 
So it then becomes the responsibility of the other person or the rest of the people in the group to keep things happy and cheery and push things along a bit. Uh, so that's certainly the advantage of hiking as a uh, group or as a couple. Hiking from a solo perspective, you don't have that ability to talk to the person next to you because there typically is none. Uh, well, you could talk uh, to yourself. Well, having said that, <laughs> share those twelve thousand yeah. thoughts. <laughs> having said that, well, I will actually talk about that in a second. But I think the thing is that you know, not all hikes don't always go well. Uh, and on the Tasmanian trail walk I did uh, a year or so ago, I struggled on the afternoon of the first day. The morning was fine. The rest of the trip was fine. I just went into a, a bit of a downer on the afternoon of the first day and I ended up calling Jill and talking to her for about an hour uh, just to go through what I was my thought processes were. Uh, and you know, she really didn't say here's what you need to do. She just talked me, she just listened, uh, let me talk uh, and talk at her, I suppose, is probably the best way to, to <laughs> for that conversation. Um, and, you know, by the end of it, I was fine. But I was just having a, a bad day for, for no particular reason and I don't know why. Normally, first day, not an issue, but there was just something on this day uh, that just wasn't sitting well. Yeah. Uh, and and after that first day, I was fine. It wasn't an issue at all. Yeah, and if you if you're going to select a person that you're going to reach out to, um, there are probably some extremes. One extreme is that um, you get the you know toughen up and keep going uh, response. Uh, that's not always helpful. Uh, the other extreme that uh, you might get from some people is the. Uh, oh dear, that's terrible, you need to stop now um, kind of response, which is probably not helpful either. So, you know, picking the right person and and maybe even talking uh, through with them before the hike uh, to see what you're expecting of them. And, you know, there is, there is this kind of tension between um, being caring and being tough um, or at least tough enough uh, with the person that, that – is um, talking at you. <laughs> and I think the thing with that is, you know, if you are trying to help someone through the why should I keep on going, it's probably better off, you know, the old adage of, you know, you have two ears and one mouth and that's the the, the, the level of conversation you should be having. The proportion in which you use them. Uh, yeah, 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 and it's and I think in, in a lot of cases it's about listening, it's about letting someone talk out what their issues are and where relevant providing some input. Um I, and I, I don't know a more politically correct term to use here, but as Jill mentioned, the suck it up princess uh, <laughs> and just keep on going. Sometimes that's the right conversation to have. Other times it may be, look, you're, you're just you're having a, a period of a number of days where you're just not feeling right, you're just not feeling happy and you've lost motivation. And certainly if you're getting to the stage of a number of days, it probably is start, time to start thinking about calling it quits. Uh, but it's really about thinking about the individual and thinking about what it is you can do to support them to keep on going. Now, in the case of that Tasmanian trip, I was lucky enough to be able to have phone signal and to call Jill. But sometimes you're in a situation where you either don't have someone to talk to or you don't have phone signal to, to be able to use and the only person you can talk to is yourself. And this is where it comes back to the why you're doing this hike. And if you've determined that before you actually start the hike, it's you can remind yourself that 
You're here for this particular reason. One comment I would make here is never quit a hike on a bad day. Everyone has bad days, uh, and, you, and if you're doing a long enough hike, you may have multiple bad days. <laughs> um, but, yeah, usually it you know, might be a day here and a day there. And I think in that sort of instance, you know, it may be a matter of um, saying, okay, well, what other options have I got? You know, am, I, am I passing through a town? I'll just go and stay in a motel and just to, uh, you know, have a warm shower, have a, have a good meal uh, and just have a bit of a rest and a think. And even if it's just delaying for a day uh, and then continuing on on your hike, if that's the ability. And this is where it's so important not to cut your time so short. Uh, so in the case of the Bibbulmun track, I had five or six days up my sleeve uh, if I needed to, if I was travelling slower, if something was going wrong or I was injured. So in that instance, uh, if I had have had any issues at all, I had time to really go through and think about it and, and allow myself a bit of flexibility if necessary. So I suppose as a final thought for maintaining motivation on the trail, the things that it really comes down to, and again, this is something that, that, that flows through every hike you will do, is plan and prepare to minimise the possibility of losing motivation. So again, you don't have to worry about that, as I said, on the shorter hikes, but be physically fit and have all your logistics sorted. Don't take on too much, uh, so know your capabilities and plan about, around what is realistic and achievable in the number of days that you have to complete your hike. So, you know, if you know that your maximum ability to hike is 20 kilometers a day and you're doing a, and you've got five days to hike, I probably wouldn't necessarily work on a five-day hike. I'd probably be working on a four-day hike and allowing that extra day up your sleeve just in case something does go wrong. And that will minimize uh, any stress on you and make, make you be able to enjoy the hike just that much better. Have strategies for getting through the day. And as I said, you know, whether you break it down to an, uh, how far you should go per hour, how far should you travel per half day or per day or per week, really think about what works for you. And in my case, as I said, I tend to work on a week, on a day, and then on a half day. Uh, and that works. That system works really well for me. Have your why uh, about, about doing your hike and make it personal to you and invest in it. Uh, hike for your own reasons and no one else's. Uh, don't feel obligated just because you've got you've told someone this is what you're going to go through and do, um, because yeah, it's not going to work. You, you're doing this because you want to see a particular landscape. You want to take photos of something in particular. Uh, you you want to have time alone to really think things through. Um, but yeah, whatever that reason is, make it personal enough and invest in it. Have a support network to help you when you're feeling down. And again, this might be a hiking partner on trail or it might be someone at home that you can contact if you're able to. And as mentioned, never quit on, on a bad day because the next day may be better or for that matter, the day after. And I think you'll end up regretting your decision if you're just having a, a one bad day and all of a sudden the weather improves, everything's really wonderful and everything's going well for you. I think for, for me, I, I, I actually thought I'd covered this topic previously and I realised that I hadn't. 
And it was only the prompt of a hiker who had quit a hike and pulled the pin and, and went off home and then instantly regretted it. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that had they have continued on that it would have necessarily gone any better, but you know, sticking it out for a day or two further uh, may have meant that you know, all of a sudden they felt really good and everything was going well. So as I said, <clears throat> don't quit on a bad day and don't necessarily quit uh, on the first day. Uh, but having said that, as I mentioned, if things are really going bad, you're injured, thing, you know, you're having multiple bad days and the motivation's not there, don't be afraid to pull the pin on a hike. Now, while it's not possible to plan for every potential issue or, or uh, negative that can happen, you know, the more you can plan in relation to thinking about what's going on, the more you can focus on the positives and it'll allow you to go through and stay the course and enjoy the hike so much more. Doing long-distance hikes isn't for everyone, uh, and certainly that mental aspect can be something that can be a struggle. Uh, but from my perspective, uh, you'll be glad you've done it, and it really will have a, and a lasting impact on your life to be able to say, I've achieved this, whatever this may happens to be. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope it's been of some help in thinking about potentially doing a longer hike. And again, it really does come down to a planning planning process. Uh, but in this case, with longer hikes, there's the few extras to think about. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.